What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of Playing the Field. I'm your host, Kurt Field, and I have a super, super exciting episode for you guys today. I got the chance to sit down with two incredibly influential people in my life who have kind of shaped me on this path to really wanting to become an athletic director or at least have a role in athletic administration as I continue forward in my career. So today, I had a co- two different conversations that we kind of wrapped into one podcast. So I'm speaking with Kim Chamberlain, who was the former athletic director at Granby Memorial uh, from when I was a junior and senior and then for a couple of years after that. And then also the current athletic director at Granby Memorial, Brian Maltesi. And it was a really, really interesting time doing this podcast because we asked some similar questions to both of them. And, you know, obviously you, you get some different answers, which is always exciting. But it was really cool to get both their perspectives on a lot of different really important topics if you're if you're interested in becoming an athletic director or if you have any interest in being having an administrative role in athletics so really cool conversation with both of them where we talk about their stories and uh how kim transitioned from teaching to an ad back to teaching and how brian has went from also teaching to now being an athletic director so without any further ado we're going to get into it the first uh, conversation you're going to hear is with Kim Chamberlain. And then right after that, you're going to hear the conversation with Brian Maltesi. So I hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, I am super excited to be joined right now by the former athletic director at Granby Memorial High School, Kim Chamberlain. Kim, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me there, Curtis. You're very, very welcome. Kim was the athletic director uh, my junior and senior year of high school. And then you were there for, what, like three-ish years after? Uh, Yes, I was there for five years total. So the 2012 to 2017 time frame right yeah you were you graduated 2014 yep yeah good memory yeah great memory yeah. yeah so kim was the athletic director and i got um the chance to know kim very well from obviously playing sports and stuff but um i also helped out a little bit in the athletic office for um it was like a senior project i decided that uh, i wanted to get involved in athletics and i would come down eighth period and in try to help out however I could. Um, we gave him all sorts of little odd jobs to do. Yeah, but it's like stuff that, you know, Kim certainly didn't shouldn't be worrying about as like the athletic director, like, you know, setting up fields or going through old uniforms and stuff like that. But it was a cool way for me to kind of get introduced a little bit into athletics. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I feel like we've come full circle now. Like my career goal is to be an athletic director. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it started in those eighth periods back maybe, in the day. Maybe. But, um, so I'm I'm excited to have Kim on because a lot of people have been asking, like a lot of people have been asking about, oh, get an athletic director, get an athletic director. So I got Kim, and then we're going to have one later with um, Brian Maltesi, who's the current AD at Granby. But it's cool because I wanted to get a mix of opinions about stuff because, you know, everyone goes about a job slightly differently. So it'll be good to get two different perspectives. So obviously kim you know in athletics there's never every day is is different you can't really have the same day twice per se there's no real normal to it but what would you say in 
to the best of your ability was a normal day as an athletic director? So that is a really funny question because as an athletic director, there is no such thing as a normal day. Yep. Right? I laughed about that when you asked that question. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every day is different because there's a ton of scheduled meetings, whether that be with different leagues, different groups of athletic directors, depending on how many leagues that you're in, you're, you know, either home at school or you're traveling to different parts of the state to meet with these different groups of, of athletic directors for different reasons, to talk about scheduling, to talk about conference tournaments, to talk about awards. Um, so, you know, those come up like a few times a month. So you have to work those into your schedule. And then every day, you know, is just completely different because you're working on scheduling, you're working on budgeting, you're working on discipline issues, you're working on coaching reviews, coaching issues, coaching, you know, mentorship, um, really communication is probably the biggest piece of the job, something that, you know, I probably didn't realize when I looked into being an athletic director was that I would say at least 80% of it is probably sitting behind a desk mm -hmm. and, you know, sitting at a computer and just working on communications with, um, you know, other schools, the state level, administration, yeah. parents, coaches. So there is, you know, no such thing as a normal day, um, but you're working through all those different facets of the, the job throughout the day. Yeah. And I mean, I got the chance to, to, I don't remember what year it was per se, but I think it was like 2017. There was a transition where like your secretary was leaving. Like, um, oh, yeah. yeah, Tracy <laughs> was leaving to go down to Georgia. Like they moved down there and they were going to hire a temp or something yes. to come in the office. And I was it's like, coming back to me. I forgot about that. I kind of did too, till we just started talking about it. And I was like, <laughs> it's, it's, I remember I was helping at some athletic event and you were talking about a temp and I was like, do you want me to do it? And we, that kind of got the ball rolling and I got a chance to be in the athletic office with you for like two-ish months at the end of the school year. Yeah. But I I don't think I realized until that moment how much communication goes on mm -hmm. for an athletic director, whether it's emails right. or phone calls. Like the phone rang every three minutes <laughs> in the office. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know how these athletic directors get any work done because things you know, right. phone calls, emails, texts. It's like, woof. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it is a full day. It is a full and day. And I like, so obviously that must, that must lead to like spur the moment issues, right? That, that could like pop up, whether it's weather, whether it's mm -hmm. unfortunately this happens more than it should, like a bus not coming. Yeah. Like I'll, I'm take, take me through that for a little bit. Um, so all of the time, you know, spur of the moment issues are every day, all day. Um, there are many hats that you have to wear being an athletic director. Uh, you know, how close did I become with your dad? Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> I think I had Brad yes. on speed dial. Yes. Be like, Brad, am I going to be able to fit this yeah, game in? I know. Um, so, you know, wearing the hat of being a weather person and making sure fields and grounds are ready, having a close working relationship with that maintenance department to make sure that the, you know, the fields are ready to go in in playable condition. I mean, we were fortunate enough. Uh, keep in mind that I came in that first year that the fields were all under construction. Yes. So don't forget that my wow. first year was all your junior year yep. was me coordinating everybody being off site. Yeah. And wow. Then, I forgot about that. Yeah. I tried to God forget bless about you. it too. <laughs> God bless you. Wow. Um, but then after that, I mean, we're so fortunate in Grammy to have that amazingly beautiful facility mm -hmm. that, you know, caters to so many different sports teams. But right. we still have fields that need to be groomed and maintained, mm -hmm. like our baseball and softball fields yep. and the track and field areas yeah. Yeah. well really the field areas of yep. you know track um and just making sure is the grass cut is the dirt raked out are the mm -hmm. lines down um you know it just 
and and you kind of get in a groove sometimes where you can forget about those things Absolutely. and you know there's lots of different computer programs we had one called school dude which was how we communicated with the maintenance department on mm -hmm. what we needed done when and how um yeah. so it was me remembering like okay did i put that maintenance order request in did i put it for the correct date and the correct mm -hmm. time and then it's also remembering like okay today's day is or today's game is getting rained out so yep. now i have to not only reschedule that game with our opponent i have to change the buses i have to make sure the officials are changed and i have to go into school dude to make sure that if the field was supposed to be ready today mm -hmm. the maintenance department knows oh you don't have to do it today anymore chances are they probably already did right uh but now you also need to do it this day so it's just a lot of steps um and like you said there were i mean some years were better than others with the bus company in yep. terms of uh working out transportation issues i can't tell you how many alarms i had set in my phone to go off at certain times throughout the week because i would work with the you know the granby bus company i would also work with um the crack bus company in bussing in our our students from hartford and yep. really trying to make it as inclusive of an experience as possible um you know getting them to and from so that they could participate as much as they had hoped to so right. that was always so Makes all sense. the alarms in my phone would go off and then like you said the, the office phone just rings constantly yeah. and um <clears throat> constantly redirecting people and trying to train people where right. to look for the right information you know mm -hmm. we tried to keep our twitter updated we tried yeah. to keep our facebook updated and the website updated so but people are just quick to pick up the phone and call yeah. is today's game on even right. if we've sent out the alerts in that Parent, uniform way yeah parents you know, i mean even like the two months i was in there like yeah every five minutes are calling is the game on is the game on it's like right. well a, a we might not know yet and b it's like right well, you know, check the website check the, yeah. i feel like obviously social media has has grown a lot over the years and i feel like um like effective athletic departments use social media very very well because it's a way to a get word out to kids who then you know i mean shout out to my mom but she would always hound me she'd be like do you know anything about a game blah blah and if, if i know whether it's through twitter or something i can then relay a message to parents and i'm sure they got all those those group chats of parents talking and stuff <laughs> that you know i just feel like social media is such a good tool to to spread word on athletics Absolutely. and i i feel like you know like i said very very effective athletic um departments do that very well um so obviously you were you were an AD for five years, there's, there's good and bad that comes with every job. But for you specifically, right. what would you say you enjoyed most about being an athletic director? I think what I enjoyed most was the relationships that I got to develop. I got to meet, you know, a remarkable amount of really different people, people mm -hmm. that, you know, I went to school just to backtrack a little bit to be a physical education teacher. And that's what I did for the first six years out of college. And it was, you know, in that time that I was just getting just a little uncertain. Like, mm -hmm. is this what I want the next 30 years of my life to be like? Yeah. Do I want to switch it up? I had always been, you know, super into athletics. Um, and with my... Um, my first teaching job, I did a little coaching at the high school level too. And I decided to get my master's in coaching and athletic administration just to kind of explore like what else is out there. And I have always been a hometown girl. Like I mm -hmm. love Granby. I'm super yep. proud of Granby. Um, and the opportunity to work in Granby came about, you know, when I was in my sixth year there. And I was like, you know, let's go for it. Um, with that being said, I definitely didn't understand all of the facets of the job. Like mm -hmm. thinking back as a high school athlete, I don't ever remember our athletic directors being as involved now as, yeah. or then as they are now. And Correct. I just think that speaks to, 
you know, times changing and personalities yeah. changing and roles changing. Um, but I definitely didn't know all the hats that were worn. So I think, you know, one of the best things is the relationships that I, I got to make. I mean, I got to work with amazing people every yeah. day. You know, I worked at a great school with awesome people, you know, sharing my office with Wally and with Jigs is always an exciting event every day. Yeah, and speaking then, of distractions, there's one for oh you. Oh, my goodness. Wally walking through every <laughs> How screaming. How many times did I have to put a sign on the door that said, Wally, go around? Because <laughs> he could go around to his office or he could walk through mine. And I loved seeing his smiling face, but sometimes I needed to not he see liked his he likes taking that shortcut. He liked taking that shortcut. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, some of my best and closest friends I'm yeah. still, you know, in touch with right. um, thanks to that job. So relationship. And I got to work with amazing coach. Like I got to work with Dennis Lobo. Like, yeah. I mean, I was a product of the 1995 UConn women's basketball team. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca Lobo is still what, like, I still see her in the grocery store and, you know, think like, like oh you know, my which gosh, is silly yeah. because I, I, well, it's not silly. It's no, pretty she's awesome. A, she's it speaks a, to she's a, a lot superhero to so many people. But my sister and I you know still talk about that and I got to work with her dad and I mean they were both there him and Ruth Ann when I was in school Mm -hmm. and I never uh, unfortunately had Ruth Ann as my guidance counselor but I got to know her and they're just such amazing people but I got to work with him and you know I got to work with Jody Bassetta and Sandy Mason and Dave Emery and you know all these amazing coaches that I got to you know work with and learn from um because like that's one thing is you never stop learning and you never stop figuring out ways to try to do it better. Yeah. Um, so definitely I would say like the relationships is probably my biggest takeaway. Um, and the challenges, like I had to figure out a lot of stuff, you know, I was 28 years old when I started being an athletic director and I had only, you know, taught PE prior at the elementary level and did some high school coaching for six years. So it was a lot of, you know, figure it out as you go and what's the best way to do it. So Um, would you say that was definitely the hardest part? Part, just kind of like you said you were you what you were what teaching for a little bit before mm-hmm. and so not knowing exactly what you're stepping into yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah. for sure for sure I guess I, I I don't know how anyone understands exactly what an athletic director role is unless yeah. like I think you have done this perfectly because mm-hmm. you've taken it like little you know bites out as yeah. you've gone through your your school mm-hmm. like you started in high school and then yep. you worked through it in college at yep. UConn um I think you're going to be super set up for success when you you know finally get right. that dream athletic position right. athletic director position that you're hoping for mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I knew I liked athletics yep I knew I loved Granby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, what could be better? Perfect I'm fit. going back yeah. home and I get to be the athletic director. And were there times that it did feel that way? Absolutely. Were there times that it was like really hard and mm-hmm. really challenging and really like I thought, like, what did I do? Why did I take this <laughs> why job? Am I here? You know, why am I here? Um, because, I, you know, I'm going to guess that we're probably going to segue now into like what are the more challenging mm-hmm. things. Yes. <clears throat> I am... A people pleaser for sure i am not somebody who's super comfortable with conflict as like all of my colleagues got to know um (laughs) and that's a really hard quality in athletic being an athletic director because you have to be somebody who's uh able to make quick decisions and you have to be confident in your decisions and um you know my husband will joke with you that like we still argue about what we want to make for dinner at night right. so never mind you know making decisions that are much harder than that um it's hard to be a people pleaser in a, in the athletic field Incredi- um, incredibly hard because like you said you make decisions and um 
even let's go back to weather, right? You you cancel a game and maybe it doesn't it doesn't rain right. as much as as much as you think, and then you, then you have kids who are are pissed off and parents who are angry. Oh, I took work off. Well, that's not your fault, right? Like it's those meteorologists. And, yeah, yeah gosh. God, no, but it's just it is. It's almost like a thankless job sometimes. That it's like there is so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't realize, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of moving parts to making an athletic department work and you aren't going to make people happy all the time. And that is, that is tough. That's something that like, as I go forward in the athletic industry, I'm already realizing it's like, well, unfortunately it's just kind of the nature of the job that you're going to make someone upset. And obviously you don't like to do that. It's never the intention. Um, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. So that, that for sure was the hardest piece for me was, you know, realizing that I'm not, um, you know, always going to make everybody happy mm-hmm. and working to develop like a little bit of a thicker skin for myself. Uh, it's no secret from everybody who knows me, like I'm a sensitive person, you know? Yeah. Uh, so really trying to separate the mm-hmm. job from personal feelings right. is a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, when you're somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, who, uh, struggles with that. And then, yeah. Um, one thing, you know, Brian Maltesi and I are friendly and, um, one thing I think Brian does a better job at than, you know, he has more experience than I do. He's been in the field longer. So I was super happy when he, you know, took over the position because we did make a lot of strides while I was there and we did a lot of great things. And I'm happy to know that it's in the hands of somebody who's going to keep that success you know, moving forward in those, you know, well, and he's changed things to be even better, which is awesome. Um, one thing. <clears throat> that I struggled with was like making myself available 24 seven. And I did that, you mm-hmm. know, like it really consumed my life. Like yeah. I would wake up in the morning and I would be on my phone, you know, yeah. and I were, it's like a double edged sword of, you know, having the ability to be connected all of the time and solve problems from remote places, but also then trying to balance your life with that too. Um, so right, because I feel like, you know, I'm even when, when you were the, athletic director and now having a relationship with Brian, he says like, yeah, I don't come in till nine, but I'm also working Mm -hmm. from the moment I wake up. I have, you know, two missed calls and I have 10 text messages. And then like weekends are a fun idea. They're a nice concept, but like not really a thing. Not really a thing because you're, you're working. There might be games. There might be practices. Right. You might go to, uh, there might be a practice at the high school and the gates are locked or the the school is locked and you're like, well, shit, now I got to deal with this. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is really a 24-7 job. It really is. And that's another thing that people really don't understand. People on the outside looking in think athletic directors show up at mm-hmm. athletic events. They watch, you know, the game. They make sure people are behaving somewhat, you they know. They yell at the students. Yeah. yeah that's what students Exactly. Yeah. That's what students think. Yeah. Um, and then they go home and, you know, they don't, and it's no one's fault for yeah. not understanding because how, how would you know, right. you know, how would you know what's involved in all the behind the scenes things? But, um, that for sure is, is one of the challenges of being connected. And I just, when I said that, I think Brian does a better job. Like I think, you know, even though he's still in it 24 seven for yep. sure, I'm not you know saying that he's not, but I just think he does a better job of like turning it off on certain times mm-hmm. than I personally could do. So yep. that was one of my faults of, you know, I was way too connected all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed to set. And towards the end, I did a better job um, setting some guidelines for myself. And if I were to ever go back to it again someday, you know, later in life, then I would have to make sure that that's one of the things I think about the most of saying, OK, I'm available for yeah. these times. And obviously emergencies arise. Right. For sure. <clears throat> um, but, 
you know, that that was definitely something that was a, like a negative for me is just trying to find that balance. Um, yeah. And I again had an amazing support staff like you know mm. you helping me when you were a student i had steve stickle who was like my right hand person unbelievable who was, like the best yeah. if i i don't think i would have made it five years in that position yeah. if i didn't have steve yeah. um because he he was so good at being a people pleaser at yeah. just like keeping the kids happy keeping the parents happy he mm -hmm. diffused so many situations and he was so good at being the face like we yeah. were almost like a pair yeah. of, you know like you didn't get the athletic department without him and I together. And mm -hmm. he was really good at like the front of the office stuff. Yeah. And I was like back of the house, yep. you know, like if I could have just sat and like worked out all of the logistics, I wish that he could <laughs> yep. have been the one out there. And he helped me with that, you know, so many times and he was just amazing. So I can't imagine how people do this job without that kind of I person. Know. I know it's, it's so true. And I'm just going back to the, like when you said that, like there were strides that were made when you were in Granby, like, being a student in school, like there was, there was from an athletic standpoint, you could see it was just, it just kind of was running like a well-oiled machine. And that was, you know, obviously thanks to you and thanks to Steve and Jiggy and all those people in athletics who, who, who put the time in to, yeah. it's not, it's not just game days. It's setting up fields. It's, right. it's, and obviously some of that falls on coaches too. There's a very, very, very strong coaching circle at Granby. It's a yeah. very, very good athletic athletic department but i feel like some of those strides that like were made were kind of you're a very organized <laughs> person and i got to see that firsthand when i when i helped you out for those couple months but like how important is it to be organized as an athletic director i know you mentioned the the alarms on your phone but yeah like, 100 i mean you i i don't know how you do this job successfully you know you can do the job i don't know how you do it successfully without being organized now you remember what my office and my desk looked like you might not have thought that i was an organized person when <laughs> you came in and looked at my desk wasn't that bad. however like even though it was a little bit of organized chaos i still knew um you know what was happening when and where those documents were and what needed to go where. And I mean, thank goodness too, for Tracy Pagano, who was, you know, the athletic um, secretary at the yeah. time, she had an accountant background. So one thing that was not my strength going into the job, which I kind of grew into was the budgeting aspect, which yep. is another huge piece that people huge. don't understand. Like there's constant bills to be paid. You have to pay officials, you have to pay for supplies, you know, there's Buses, POs going in yep. and out all the time. And you know, that's working within the whole district's um, budgeting program. And so thankfully, she was really proficient in that. And she just helped keep me grounded with those things. But 100% to be successful as an athletic director, you have to be organized in whatever system works for you. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It doesn't have to look like everybody right. else's system, but you have to be organized to be successful. Well, like I, I mean, we, we talked about it, but I just couldn't believe how many different things were happening in that athletic office when I was helping that like I just never even thought about, like yeah. just never considered. And maybe that was me just being an athlete, not really caring, but like I just... No, it, just not realizing. No, it's it's, uh, it's unreal. Like, oh, I didn't realize you had to go to the arbiter and make sure you had officials or, right. or an official doesn't come to the game or is late and you're like on the phone scrambling, like where you at? Right. And the busing, the whole thing is just, it, there are a lot of moving pieces. So I, like you mentioned, you have to be organized in order for for it to make it work. And um, it's learning a lot of systems too. Like I'll never forget yeah. Tom Stanky asking me in my interview, like mm -hmm. if I knew how to use school dude. And I was like, 
what the hell? What, yeah, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the arbiter, like you mentioned, yeah. for officials and the, you know, the behind the scenes part of the CIAC website that athletic directors use to manage all those schedules yep. and, you know, inputting accurate information. Um, school dude is that school maintenance system I was talking about. And then the budgeting, I don't know what Granby's currently using, if it's the same or not, but there's the whole like PO budgeting system. Yep. So it's just a lot of learning of new materials. And as we know, yeah. technology constantly changes and right. upgrades. So it's just, well, it's then you were like you were learning obviously the field was under construction the new turf fields and then you were that was obviously a huge undertaking for everybody but then you were learning you didn't love going to aaron's park every single day for football i mean it wasn't (laughs) ideal but it's weird i do when i think of high school football most of my experiences were at aaron's park so i do think of that but it was cool being the first class to um be on the turf field i remember i was a really close with a lot of people the grade above me mm-hmm. so it sucked for them yeah. they they're there that you can see the entire field being built but it's like yeah. it's like you can you look but you can't touch <laughs> yeah but i mean you were learning new like the lights you had to yeah. figure out like when to schedule lights yeah. for it just it is a right. laundry list yeah of items. and how long do they need to be programmed on for right you know because only certain people have access to like the remote ability to turn them on and off and i Correct. have the key but then they have to warm up and then they shut down and then they can't oh, it's you know a process. it's still right it's a process. everything's a process i yeah. think is what it comes down to and i remember like you know we've touched on it a little bit about how you've gotten the opportunity to work with a lot of really, really amazing coaches at Granby yeah. who have been there for a very, very long time and who have done a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. But obviously coming with a territory of being an athletic director, a large part of that is hiring coaches who are going to be, you know, they're going to have control of these teams and these athletes in your school that it's, it's a big undertaking. So what do you look for in the hiring process when a position opens and, and you're trying to trying to land a, a head coach or something or any coach um, for that matter? I, I think, well, again, that's another huge challenging piece of the job is I don't think the general public understands what you have to go through, number one, to be a high school coach. You know, yeah. there's a whole training program that you have to go through that's like, I don't even remember off the top of my head how many crazy amount of hours the, the courses are. You well, did speak, it. Yeah, so I, I remember, you know. I did it too, obviously, C- but it was a while ago. Right. <laughs> CPR and first aid certified is the first right. and foremost thing. And then I had to take, so I got my temporary coaching permit mm-hmm. at the beginning because it was just volunteer stuff, nothing. I mean, it right. was serious, but nothing. Which you can have for a year. Yep. And mm-hmm. then so I did that. I think you can do it. You can do that twice, right? Yes. Technically, if you're going to, I think, be higher or some. So, I, I don't remember. Again, yeah. the details are escaping right. me as I'm out of it further and further. But there was I, something about as long as the superintendent signs off yeah, on you that's being right. involved. That's right. Um, you can have an extension for one year. That's as, what it was. And then you have to be enrolled. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to remember the total amount of hours in the coaching course. It was like hundreds. So, for, so I remember I took a – to get my five-year certification, the one I wanted – I was like, all right, I'm right. going to start doing this more legit. I took I took something that was called like a power hour class something. It was like 45 hours in the course of two weeks. So it was, yeah. it was like Thursday, Friday for like – four hours each or something. And then Saturday, it was literally all day. Yeah. It was like, that's what it was. I think you're right. I think it was a 45 hour total coaching course, but the hundreds was hundreds of dollars. Like yes, it costs. And it was expensive. And many districts don't have that budgeted in their Correct. line items. So if you want to be a coach, you're going to pay the hundreds of dollars it costs and put mm-hmm. the time and you're going to get all these certifications and you have to get vetted by getting yeah. background checks and mm-hmm. fingerprinted and all those things yep. so that we make sure that you're a safe, <laughs> reliable yes. individual. So, and 
I mean, people don't get into high school coaching for the money, but no. if you're going to commit that time and energy, you need to be making something, yeah. you know? So there's that piece too, where they, they don't make nearly what they deserve in, in the terms of the energy and Agreed. the time they pour into. But yeah. really your question is like, what, what, what do you look for? So, yeah. I mean, they need to be passionate and knowledgeable about the sport. I mm-hmm. mean, I think that's number one. I, you know, they need to, they need to know the sport. They need to be passionate about it. They need to know that they're going to be working with a large variety of skill levels. You know, this is high school we're talking about. And yep. you've got some kids who are super committed to, you know, working with their training coaches and in the off season. And then you've got kids who pick up the equipment like the day, the spring right. or whatever the season starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's got to be a level of understanding and perspective, you know, again, Absolutely. this is high school. And yeah. some of us have our most fond memories from our success in high school sports. Yeah. And that's awesome. And other people played and now they don't even really think about it. Mm-hmm. So that perspective piece. And there has to be that level of commitment. Um, yeah. You know, there's got to be with with facilities like what we have, there's rotation in terms of, you know, practicing earlier and later. And so basically your afternoon in whatever season you're coaching in from like 2 p.m. to like 7 p.m. or later <laughs> needs to be free mm-hmm. for what three months about yeah. and that's yeah. not easy for no. many people to do so it's interesting that a lot of people will pick on coaches yeah um and you know there's times that that's deserved but um it's not an easy thing for people to step into uh because of the time like restraints correct so 100%. you know i think High school coaches, and again, we've been very fortunate to have so many successful ones, are really passionate. They're really understanding. They're really communicative. Um, But it's just, it's still a really tricky position to fill with a solid candidate. Right. For sure. And I remember I'm very early on, I don't, are the football coach had left and you, you, was that one of the the first things you had to do was hire a new football coach? That was you, right? No, and Rich was there. Rich oh, Kidori. he was there. Okay, yeah, I didn't Rich know. Was if that... there oh, yeah, yeah. Because Rich coached uh, swimming and yep. football, yep. and so I mean, I'm thankful for that because that would have been really yes. tricky to navigate yeah. if that was a new coach. We've too. been lucky in Granby. Like there are a lot of the programs and a lot of the coaches have been there for a while, and it's there's a lot of winning at Granby. Yeah. Um, but does it get like tough if you know a team can? you know, for a couple of seasons in a row doesn't do well. Do you feel pressure? Like, okay, I have to make a change or is it more like you hear it from parents and Granby's they're on one year contracts, right? It's not like you get like a five year coaching. No. Contract. And typically in many school districts, the coaching stipends fall under the teacher's contract. And those are, gotcha. you know, written in as one year positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody like, well, I don't even have to give an right. example, but somebody who, you know, is within the teacher's contract, mm-hmm. um, if they are successful and if they're, you know, doing a great job and the feedback all around, um, the position is posted yearly. That has to, that has to happen yep. per the contract. Um, if that person is still interested, they're most likely going to get that yeah. position back. Gotcha. Um, I didn't know how that worked exactly. Yeah. It, it gets a little hairy sometimes mm-hmm. because then there's people that like Dave Emery, for example, has been a coach since I was in high school yeah. and he's phenomenal, Great. but he's not somebody who's a teacher in the mm-hmm. district. Um, so let's say you, Joe Schmo, moved yep. in and you wanted to coach boys soccer and you maybe had like two years of experience and you had, you know, you're a science teacher at the high school. Mm-hmm. So you apply for it because you see it posted and you're new. So you don't know who Dave Emery mm-hmm. is. And 
uh, as the athletic director and as the high school administration, I would have to consider your application mm. against Dave Emery, who's been there for, you know, eons, eons and is yeah. super successful and has one of the best reputations, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to make that decision of Oof. who is the better candidate. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, so thankfully, that didn't happen to yeah. me too much. <laughs> um yeah, but there were definitely some tricky, some tricky right. times of, of hiring people and, you know, making good choices and making not the greatest choices and then navigating the whole like, all right, we're going to move on to somebody else. And how do we go about doing that? Yeah. Um, again, knowing that the selection pool is not going to be large. Right. It's And again, it's it, I guess that comes with the territory. But again, something that's not easy to be like, but it again, comes with the territory. So right. I something that we've we've been talking about all these different hats that you wear one i don't know if this is a granby thing or this is a happens in more places than not but you were also in charge of middle school athletics right you were like to a degree to an extent like you you would schedule the middle school basketball and field hockey and all those all those games yes so that was like a little bit of a gray area in granby because Mm -hmm. um some newer laws came into play when i was the athletic director that spoke to the athletic director position and who was allowed to do what job and what certifications you had to have um with that being said you know I worked together with Jody Bassetta, you know, who's been uh, an educator in Granby for years and is and a phenomenal coach. Um, she's always kind of in the middle school point person. Mm-hmm. So we work together really well. Um, it definitely was more responsibility than I probably should have had in mm-hmm. the position that I held. Uh, but I did do most of the scheduling and her, she and I worked together um, to work on like the finding the coaches pieces. Yeah. Um, and so, I also included like the busing, for example, mm. and the officials in my regular, like in my alarms for the week of yep. scheduling things like the middle school just kind of got wrapped into there. So would you reach out to like other high school athletic directors or would you? Yes. Gotcha. Um, so there were very few middle schools that had middle school only athletic directors. Right. It does exist, mm-hmm. but it's probably not some of the common. bigger schools. Um, towards the end of my time. And again, I'm not sure what the NCCC is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Heidi Schmidt was actually, she's the SMSA AD mm-hmm. and she was really instrumental in kind of trying to get like a little middle school league together because yep. Granby doesn't have soccer at the middle school level because we have such a strong Rovers organization right. and town organization right. that they yep. have the those options but for schools that didn't have those options um there was like a lot of middle school soccer there's a lot fewer middle school sports too which makes it a little bit easier but there was a lot of middle school soccer in other places basketball was Mm -hmm. huge cross country was huge so we did work on and she put together making like a little bit of a league to try to make the scheduling piece easier because for high school scheduling you're in a league and you basically are given a schedule that mm. you then have to um you know tweak as necessary yep. so if you're an opposing team and one of these dates doesn't work you and i work that out and that's okay as long as we fall within the parameters of what the scheduling guidelines are mm-hmm. for the middle school uh, oh and for high school you add your out of league games for as many as you can have up to your schedule so if you get you know 16 league games and you can have 20 games you find four out of league games gotcha. um, where you try to you know interesting usually yep. play up your competition you know find mm-hmm. somebody who's going to give you maybe more of a challenge or Makes sense. maybe a little bit of an easier game. Do you ever record, do you ever ask coaches about that or do you just kind of take... Oh, I totally ask coaches gotcha. about that. And in fact, a lot of the coaches would work on their own to find mm-hmm. their out-of-league opponents and yep. then the athletic directors of those schools and I would like nail down those dates. I but gotcha. middle school was a point where like we were given nothing. Like so it was mm. like, okay, we need a, you know, uh, I don't remember how many games middle school basketball Less. played, but it, uh, 10 to 15, mm-hmm. let's just say, which 
which is still like a lot yeah, coming from zero. Right. Um, so it was a lot of playing similar opponents and there was a lot of loyalty of like, we played you last year, so we're going to play again this yes. year. And, yes. um, you know, middle school ebbs and flows significantly with skill level and success rate. So um, that... It, it was, it was fine. Yeah, <laughs> Teamwork I'm, makes the dream work. I, well, yeah, like you mentioned, probably a good thing Jody was there too because oh that is goodness, someone you yes. could work with at the middle right. school because otherwise that's, that would just become incredibly stressful, I would imagine. But right. something that I think makes, speaking of stressful, makes athletic directors <laughs> not like shaking their boots, but it's been a, a hot topic for a while about uh, parents in mm. kind of weaseling their way into athletics. I don't mean that as like a bad thing, but... You know, sometimes parents are very vocal about coaches or about playing time, mm-hmm. and it it can get nauseating. That's um, a good word for it. N- nauseating, and I've I don't think I ever realized it when I played. Like I knew there were some like obnoxious moms and dads, and like whatever that just comes with sports. But when I when I transitioned into the coaching side of things, I kind of saw firsthand that like it kind of reared its ugly head, and it can get mm-hmm. ugly. Um, mm-hmm. Just you're never right and i it, it i feel like that's coaching and it's being an athletic director sometimes the athletic athletic director is never right um so basically what do you what would you say the role of parents should be inside of an athletic athletic program so i think you know people might be surprised by hearing me say like parents should absolutely be involved mm-hmm. in their sons or daughters their child's athletic experience they should 100 percent be involved yep However, it's to an appropriate degree. You mm-hmm. know, your job as a parent is to teach your child, you know, how to handle situations, how to talk to adults, how to handle winning, how to handle losing, and number one, how to advocate for themselves. Like yes. that is your job as yes. a parent. And we are only going to hinder our children by doing everything for them. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be times where, you know, your child is not going to like the coach that they have. You know, I didn't, I I had so many amazing coaches. I did not love every single one of my coaches, but that didn't stop me from playing, you know? Um, And my parents were super involved in my athletic experience. My mom was a volunteer coach for years and years for so many different sports that we played. But I ne- like that never came home. I never heard of challenges. I never heard of, yep. you know, those things. You know, like you said, you always hear the yelling parents and the parents yes. who are a little crazy on the sidelines. But um, yeah, uh, parents get too involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a level of involvement that they need to have where they just try to do the job for their child. They try to have the conversation for their child and they need to teach their child how to have that conversation. It goes so much further when a kid can go to their coach and say, coach, you know, I, I'm not playing. Like yeah. I, I see that I'm not playing. Why am I not playing? What do I need to work on? What do I need to get better at? And maybe it's just that, you know, Susie Q above you is just like that next level of skill. And, you know, she's graduating next year. So guess what? That's going to be your job. But having those conversations that are meaningful and worthwhile is something we need to teach our kids how to do. I think that's so, so spot on because it's, I even happened like this basketball season, like you're in the middle of a good run. And then all of a sudden out of the woodwork comes emails from parents. And it's, it's, it's annoying because, you're right in the fact that that should that should be a kid advocating for themselves, right? So let's just say little Johnny's like a little upset that he's not he's only playing six minutes a game and he feels like he should be playing more than that. Well, 
little Johnny should come to the coaching staff and be like, what can I do in practice or, or how can I make my game better? So I do see, I get more playing time. I see the floor more, but a lot of the times these emails are saying like, well, little Johnny would never come up to you and say, so I'm going to speak on his behalf or something. And it's like, well, it just almost seems counterintuitive to, to what you're trying to do. And and it, 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 I feel like it puts a strain on coaches. It's like, you know, you're going to have decisions that are questioned. Sure, it comes with part of being a coach. But I feel like it's it's pushing good coaches away from wanting to coach. Because it, it gets it, it can get ugly. And it's it's sad because I feel like we're going to get to the point now where sometimes parents, if you're, if you're too overbearing or too overwhelming, your coaches are going to start walking away. And then there's, they're going to be yeah. the quality of coaches. Like you mentioned, it's already a small pool. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of steps that go into, me, go into being a high school coach. Well, if you drive the good ones away because right. you're not pleased, you don't know what's after them. So right. sometimes it's like, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's tough. And I've, I've, like I said, started to experience that coaching a little bit. And it's, I'm, it, don't get me wrong. I feel like parents should be involved too. My parents yeah. were at every single game supporting me and my brother and my teammates and stuff. They weren't just there rooting for me or anything like that. And it was, when I think of high school sports, I think of them being there. And I think Absolutely. of all the amazing parents of my friends who played, who were very supportive, but it, it is unfortunate that some people, some some parents might just kind of cross a line here or there. But Right, right. That is, that is unfortunate. And, you know, going back to, you know, little Johnny may not ever come to you. Well, you need to teach little Johnny yes. how to. Yes. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to, like I spoke to earlier, like, you know, part of the reason the job was a challenge for me because I don't like uncomfortable situations. Yep. Well, guess what? I had to get better at that in order to, I did, you know, I, I did it for five years. I lasted more than one. And it yep. was because every time I, I worked on, you know, how do I approach these uncomfortable situations and conversations yeah. to try to get better? And you, you have to, you know, do it. Do, does a parent need to get involved if their child is in like an unsafe situation? Of course. And that's a to- totally different story. 100%. But when it comes to things that kids really need to learn how to advocate for on their own, we have to do a better job as parents teaching them how to do that. Yeah. I, again, I think you're so spot on. I feel like we've talked about Granby being a, a very solid athletic program. Like all of the, all the teams are relatively good. Mm-hmm. Um, being an athletic director, would you consider that would you define success for your athletic program based on like simply just how much a team wins based on sportsmanship or a mix or what, what would you say define success for an athletic program? Um, I mean, the first thing people look at is winning. So mm-hmm. like you can't hide the fact that winning brings success and right. you know, that's what's, you know, holds some programs up there on a pedestal. But I think growth is what needs to be looked at. And I think growth as a team in particular, um, growth as a coaching staff, growth as, you know, progress over perfection, I think is a phrase that comes to mind. Um, Sportsmanship is key for sure, but I think you need to look at what can you do to, you know, individually build up your athletes, but then also make them a cohesive unit as a team. Um, So yeah, winning is great, but it's not always the reality. And so when maybe you're, maybe you came off of a strong season and you graduated 11 seniors and, you know, next year is going to be a rebuilding year. All right. You're not going to look at that with, uh, oh man, this year is going to stink because we got rid of all, you know, all those kids left us. Um, you're going to look at what you have and you're going to look at the strengths that they provide for you. And then you're going to look to see how can we grow together, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be, to, to bring it back to that level. Yeah. You know, and you're I've, always going to have those years, but well, it, it felt very similarly to 
2013, we won the state championship for basketball. And then like 75% of your, your total offense leaves, like, mm-hmm. like you're from a point perspective. And then next year, like, woof, like you can't replace those guys, but okay. What do we have that will be able to help us going forward? Cause you can't, if you look back the whole time, you're going to, you're going to be problems. And I feel like, exactly. um, something that I think, not everyone understands even from a like athlete perspective is an athletic department and athletic program is not just your varsity teams it's it's your jv teams and it's your freshman teams and the goals might be different for those teams right. i know like for our basketball program we kind of break it down at the beginning of the year for parents about what the objectives are and yeah. obviously for varsity you're there you're there to win basketball games yeah. um JV, you know, it's it, winning is important, but it's it's still more about the fundamental aspects, getting you ready for varsity. And then speaking as like the freshman basketball coach, obviously you would like to win. No one likes to lose, right. but it is not the number one thing you're striving for. You're you're trying to make these kids better. It's it's a lot of technique, fundamental stuff mm-hmm. that parents might be like, oh. You're you're four and sixteen. Yeah, we're four and sixteen or whatever. But you, all of your kids have gotten better, and it's just going to help them going forward. So I feel like sometimes, again, I love to win. That's, winning is awesome. But sometimes, <laughs> exactly. But sometimes we get caught up in wins and mm-hmm. losses when that might not be the primary objective for that level of high school Absolutely. sports. So that's just something that I feel like I've learned, and it's not. I didn't realize that either. I would remember being on JV and basketball and being all like annoyed or something if we'd lose a game, but then you kind of got to come back to yeah. understanding like, okay, we lost, but we improved in A, B, and C. So, Which again is really challenging for a high school age athlete to do yes. too. So that comes in the coaching and the parent roles of, you know, educating and why the objectives are different and what those objectives are too. Yeah, no, absolutely. No doubt. I feel like, um, since I've kind of moved on to like in Rhode Island, I was having this conversation with, um, someone in the department the other day about how a lot of places in Rhode Island have a no cut policy, which I, (laughs) I didn't even really know was a thing. And then I kind of looked up, like read about it and I was like, what in the world? But what, so basically, you know, you have a you have a basketball team and forty kids come out and you can't cut any of them. I, what do you as an as a previous athletic director? What is your what do you think about the a no cut policy? Well, so I don't believe it belongs in varsity athletics. Yeah, I mean, I would have never implemented that. Um, I I don't. I don't think, I mean, are, are these programs that you're hearing about, are they like varsity high school programs? Some of them are like varsity programs. That's I'm, insane. It, I know. It literally was mind boggling to yeah. me. Uh, that doesn't belong in varsity sports in my personal opinion. Yeah. And I would have never tried to push that agenda onto my varsity coaches. Um, I don't even think that it applies. I guess it depends on what building blocks you have. So yep. we just talked about basketball <clears throat> in Granby. You have the varsity, the JV, and the freshman. So... Um, I think you have to look at the numbers that come out. You know, if you have 40 freshmen that come out, you can't keep all of them on a basketball team. So I think, but if you, you know, if you have 20 that come out, you could make it work. That's still a lot. You know, only five people on a court at a time. You have, you know, four times what you need. (laughs) But, um, like, I do think at those younger levels, Mm -hmm. you want to 
avoid cutting as much as possible yeah. because you want to see what you have to work with. Mm-hmm. Like you see them for a few days when you're having tryouts and you're having your first practices. And that's a really challenging time because kids could be nervous. Like keep in mind, these freshman kids are still 13, 14 right. years old. Like they're young. Um, so I do think like a no cut policy at that younger fundamental level mm-hmm. is okay. You could see it. Yeah. You, can, you can make it work as long as the numbers are not astronomical, mm-hmm. you know, and even if you choose to keep those 20 kids, you know, if you know you've got like five that are really at the bottom skill level, then you have that conversation with them like, hey, we're going to let you be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you see what it is like to be a part of this team, what our routines are, what our organization is. You might not play or you might play in five out of our 20 games. You know, like I think being transparent and being upfront also goes a long way and not stringing kids along either. Like let them know in advance, like, all right, I'm, you know, number 20 on this 20 person team. Do I want to commit? Do I love basketball or whatever sport it is enough to stick with that, to know that I might not ever step foot on that court, you know? Um, I mean, even having that conversation at the varsity level, if Mm -hmm. like there's one senior, let's just say, who's always played, but you know, a freshman has come up and stepped into kind of their role and is more talented and at varsity, you're looking to win you you have to have those those hard conversations yeah. with kids um being as transparent as possible i feel like you can't go wrong like you really yeah. you um it happens a lot you know right. you have to have those conversations where it's like okay here's what we kind of expect your role to be and if you're willing we'd love to have you but yeah yeah and i'm i from a no cut policy like i remember like our football team never cut anybody because we we needed just the needed the numbers right. and i know like that that was kind of like a blessing because I know from personal experience, like my little brother is one of his best friends was not a very good football player freshman and sophomore year. And like 100% would have been cut if it was like you right. were doing that. And then transitioned into a phenomenal, like phenomenal football player his junior and senior year. And it's like, well, there's an instance where it's nice that we didn't have to cut anybody because he probably wouldn't have come back if, if he had gotten right. cut. So yeah. I, I do see, you know, in places where it makes yeah. sense, but like I think having a blanket no cut policy is a little <clears throat> silly. Wild, um, it's wild right. to me. Um, I think you know a- adapting it to each situation and scenario as it arises is what you really need to do to be successful with that. Because yes. there are times where it's appropriate and there's times where it's not. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So wrapping up this conversation. Um, <laughs> so you were athletic director for five years at Granby. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what you've done since. What you what made you decide to move on? So, like I said, when I you know graduated from Springfield College, I went right into teaching physical education, which is what you know from being a middle school student myself was always what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like I'd always wanted to be a PE teacher and a coach in some capacity. Um, and then, like I said, I just kind of you know got a little curious with what is this athletics uh, administration position like, and mm-hmm. so I was you know gracious enough to have that opportunity to explore that, which I'm so thankful that I did. Yeah. Um, I did start a family, you know, during my time as an athletic director and I have a young daughter and that was a really challenging thing to um to balance um in terms of just giving it all I could give like you, you know. manage it's a, it's a it is a seven day a week right a 24 you basically hours a day have like the month of July yeah to like take a breath yeah. you know and that's um, hard if you're starting a family especially right with a, so young you know daughter. having having you know my daughter when I was in my athletic director role um I think it did help me get better at some things. It did help me draw that line a little bit more mm-hmm. than I had in the in and people were maybe a little bit more understanding knowing yeah. that I had a, a small child at home. But honestly, like I mentioned before, 
I didn't know that the athletic administration job was as administrative, even though it's right there in the title. Um, (laughs) You know, like I said, sitting behind a computer desk 80% of the time um, and really trying to keep all the balls up in the air that you're trying to juggle without dropping any is a lot of pressure and it's Mm -hmm. really challenging. And it's not that the challenge scared me away, but um, I missed the kids. Um, And when you're an athletic director... You don't get to work with the kids as much as people seem to think. Mm-hmm. Um, you're definitely working with coaches more. Yeah. You're working with adults behind the scenes more. You're working with high school administration more. And your ability to really get there and connect with the students is um, a real challenge, trying to yeah. like find the time to fit that in. Um, so I really missed uh, establishing those relationships with students. Um, I teach intermediate PE now, which is grades through through five, which is totally like my jam of my age level that I'm really God comfortable bless with. You. <laughs> well, the K to two ones, those <laughs> they drive me a little batty. But um, when you get to at least like eight years old, yeah. we, you know, I jive with those kids. Yep. Um, and I just so that was number one was mm-hmm. I I really genuinely missed that connection with my students. Um, I currently haven't been able to get into any high school coaching roles in my mm-hmm. new position. I teach in Enfield now, um, and it just hasn't worked out uh, yep. because the element schedule the high school schedule is a challenge in you know yes. taking on a taking on a coaching role and then again having my daughter at home and trying to be involved as much as possible in her life too yeah. um you know never say never like I I would consider maybe later on in my career once my daughter's older maybe uh, you know once she's gone through high school herself going back to the athletic administration role it just wasn't the right choice for me moving forward you know for this time period of my life um there's not a lot of of women in athletic administration either so I know once I told some of my women colleagues they were like no you know don't leave us because we you know we work really hard you know to to, you know make that name for ourselves and everything and I I am proud of the time that I spent in Granby and I know I did a lot of great things and a lot of things that I would learn from and do differently if I were to you know go back again um but it just it you know I just was pulled to go back more into that you know connecting with kids Mm -hmm. and you know keep my sanity a little yes, bit better. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's that's why I've moved on for right now. But, you know, never say never. Right. And I know you've, I mean, from just speaking with you and, and knowing you personally, it feels like you, I've been pleased with your with your transition back to, to teaching. And I feel like that's all you can ask for. Is yeah. Like, and yeah, for sure. And again, because I am friends with Brian Maltesi, like I still kind of get to keep a pulse, yeah. you know, on the Granby Athletic Program, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. Like every once in a while, I'll still go help sell tickets for games yep. or I'll, you know, help Seeing do you something. basketball games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I do really still like, you know, having like the in and the friendships yep. and the relationships. Um, and I, you know, never want to get away from that completely. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like this is best for everybody right now. You have to, you know, make the decision with like the greater picture in mind. Yep. So. And like, like you said, you, you know, you have, you have like a master's degree and you're, or, uh, the athletic administration, right? That's what mm-hmm. you, yeah. And you know, who knows, who, who knows? knows, never know, <laughs> you never but know. Kim, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. I'm, I'm sure everyone will enjoy this <laughs> thoroughly. I, I hope so. I, I hope so. Well, I'm, thanks for having me. It was you're, fun. You're very welcome. <laughs> All 
All right, guys, I am being joined right now by current Granby Memorial Athletic Director, Brian Maltesi. Brian, thank you very much for coming on to the show. I know I kind of forced you here, but uh, I appreciate you coming on. Good morning, Curtis. Um, so Brian's been the Athletic Director at Granby for what? This is going to your third, to fourth, fourth year. Fourth year. Wow, time flies. Time flies. Time and, flies when having fun. And Brian, uh, you know, Granby was not his first stop. But you want to tell our, our listeners kind of how you – how you got to where you are now? Did you did you always know you wanted to be an athletic director? Did you did you start in this field? Did you start teaching? Just kind of give our listeners a, a background on how you got to where you are at Granby today. Sure, I think uh, I think I always wanted to be a coach. Uh, growing up in Windsor Locks and playing multi sports, um, in the park and rec and little league and all those types of things. I think uh, just. Love that atmosphere. Love the camaraderie of being with people. Mm-hmm. Loved, you know, just playing with friends, getting up in the morning, going to the basketball court right. during the summer, all that stuff. So uh, always got involved with Park and Rec early on. That's kind of was my first ever summer job Getting in, when I was in high school was to, to work Park and Rec uh, basketball camps and and those types of things. So I think that was my first kind of draw to becoming a coach and, and enjoying that type of stuff, working with working with young kids. Um, so I knew then kind of when I got into high school that I wanted to be a teacher. I think that was the best avenue to become a coach was to be a teacher. Um, it's always tricky, obviously, doing this for, for 20 years now. You know uh, scheduling gets tight. Um, so you, if you're a teacher – you're done at two thirty, three o'clock at the latest, depending on which type of school you work at. So then you'd be able to coach. Um, but if you, you know, worked maybe a different normal nine to five job, you know, you're working till five o'clock. How can you be at a game? How right. can you hold your practice and stuff? So I think knowing that I wanted to coach and be around sports, teaching was the best avenue to uh, to kind of target at that. So what, like, um, what did you teach in high school? Do you teach? So actually, so I, I started off, went to Central Connecticut State University, go Blue Devils. Um, I like to say it's the best state university Come on. in Connecticut. Don't do that now. Don't do that. My uh, my older brother went to UConn. So see, he, uh, okay, he's a smart man. He was a smart man. Smart man. He is the smarter of the two of us. Um, props to you, Mike. But uh, but no. Um, so we a lot of similarities. So he is a teacher. Was a teacher. Was. Uh, there is an athletic director as well. So, uh, you know, we grew up playing the same sports, doing the same thing. So he went to UConn. Um, I, you know, I, I did apply to UConn. I got into UConn. I thought about UConn. Hindsight, I probably should have went to UConn <laughs> because they actually had a, a five-year program where you get your master's degree and be done in, with it. In teaching? In teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of just break away from the same path as my brother, I decided, you know, let's change this up a little bit. So. Yep. I decided to go to Central, which um, formerly was like the State Teachers College. So, you know, it's definitely on the right path to become a teacher. So I chose Central Connecticut. Um, I started majoring in mathematics at the middle level. And then partway through my uh, second year there, they actually eliminated that program. So I either had to go elementary education or I had to go high school. So... Um, I would have chose high school because obviously I wanted to be a coach. Yep. So, but when I went in uh, with my guidance counselor at the time and looked at the credits that I already had, I had so many credits 
that were more geared to the elementary route mm -hmm. that it would have taken me another semester or two right. to write that ship and then just fully do that. So um, I had to choose elementary education, which, you know, which was great. So that would certify me K to eight. So, okay. Similar to middle school, which was just four to eight. Right. Um, I could, I could uh, be a middle school math teacher, you know, coach middle school sports, maybe coach high school, depending on the school you got to. So, so finished at central um, with my elementary education degree, K to eight, got a job teaching in Hartford as a fifth grade teacher in a K to eight school. Uh, Dominic F. Burns Elementary School in Hartford, which was great. Kids were great. Um, loved that atmosphere. And I was able to coach right off the bat. So they had middle school sports well, there. That's good. Yep. So I was able to coach um, basketball there, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the only trouble is uh, growing up in Windsor Locks, living in Windsor Locks, you know, the commute was a little tough. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, you got up at, you know, Obviously, five five thirty. You get ready for work. You're in the car by six, so that you know you kind of avoided the traffic. So you get into school by, you know, by seven fifteen, seven thirty, eight o'clock start day. So, um, and then Long driving days. home. Oh, you get stuck in that traffic. You get stuck in that traffic. So I would, you know, school day got out around three o'clock. You'd have practice uh, till about five o'clock, and then you'd be stuck in traffic. So you get home around six thirty. You know, so that was a little tricky. Yeah, so long then, days. Yeah, very long days. So. Um, a job opened up at East Windsor, which was a junior senior high school at the time, seven to twelve, and um, I applied for that. Happened to have a, a good friend of the family that you know kind of knew somebody, got me a an interview, and then I, all about I got those connections. All about the connections. So I got a job. It was eighth grade math, eighth grade math teacher at East Windsor. So again, growing up living in Windsor Locks, now my commute just went from. You know, an hour sometimes one way, two hour in the car, <laughs> which could be brutal at times, um, to literally a 4.6 mile, seven minute drive over the bridge yeah. uh, to East Windsor. Way easier. Way easier. So how long? Okay. So you get the job at East Windsor, still teaching. Still teaching. Teaching math, eighth grade math. How long were you at East Windsor for? I was at East Windsor for seven years. Teaching only? Teaching math. So first year, East Windsor Junior Senior High School. And then after one year, they made a little reorganization and made a strictly middle school, five, six, seven, eight, and a high school, nine through 12. So since I was the eighth grade math teacher, I got pushed to the middle school, mm -hmm. which was fine. Um, they still got out at the same time. My first year there, I was the assistant um, girls soccer coach. So JV girls soccer, JV boys basketball, yep. and JV softball. Okay. So You stayed busy. So, yeah. So, I mean, the other great thing about uh, moving to East Windsor was they just had those opportunities, which, mm -hmm. again, I was at a strictly middle school in Hartford. Um, I didn't have any high school opportunities. So being connected to a high school got me the high school coaching jobs that I strongly kind of wanted to pursue. Right. And then uh, – but it was a little tricky because I got moved to middle school, which is about, you know, a 10-minute ride into the center of uh, East Windsor, Broadbrook. And then I would then have to go to practice each day and go back. So that got a little tricky. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted the job, so I wanted to, you know, continue coaching. So so what ended up happening for you when, you, obviously, you're coaching, you're teaching, and you're doing it, you've done it for a while now. What got you 
to switch into more of the athletic administration role where you, you ended up being an AD, were you an assistant somewhere? How did you make that transition? Sure. So the, uh, the person I took over for the math teacher that I took over for was the athletic director at East Windsor. Oh. So I took over his math job, but he continued to stay on as the AD. Um, and actually he, um, was a, a Windsor locks guy too. So I, so I he knew was him. The, he was the AD and a math teacher. ADA math teacher. At, yep. So, um, it must've been tough. Yeah. The way it worked in East Windsor was you basically were part-time athletic director. Yep. Full-time teacher. Gotcha. Um, you had a little relief in your teaching, um, course load. So you taught four classes instead of five classes. Gotcha. But you know, as anybody Still. knows, especially anybody around the sports world, you know, you, you're a part-time AD, but you're doing a hundred percent of the work of the responsibilities. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he retired as a math teacher, but kept on the AD, um, cause he, he wanted to stay involved. He wanted to stay with the kids. He wanted to stay doing that stuff. Cause you know, just being around athletics, which all of us do, we love it. Um, it's in our blood, it's in our nature. We want to keep doing it. You know, it's tough to kind of right. back off and, and, right. and get away from that. I mean, you want to be retired. So you, you kind of, you step back from that, but you still are staying involved. Mm-hmm. So he did that for about two more years and then, you know, he was getting up in age he was like, you know what? I think I'm done with this. Um, so that position opened up. Um, I did not apply for it then. A PE teacher in the high school applied for it. She stayed one year, and then she retired. Oh wow! And then it kind of opened up. So at that time, um, yeah, I loved coaching. Um, I was the varsity girls soccer coach by then. I did that. Um, along with JV boys basketball and JV softball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also at the middle school. Yeah. So that got a little tricky. So that position opened up. Um, at the time, I wasn't certified to be a high school math teacher. So in order for me to get that job, um, you know, it, it kind of had to just, there wasn't a ton of people yeah. applying for it, but right. it would have been better for me to be high school certified, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, really n- nobody else in-house wanted the job. I wanted the job because I wanted, you know, to get in- get involved in the administrative part. Right. Um, you know, I, I tried to see down the road um, what I wanted to do, um, you know, just more of a full-time administrative role. Yeah. So I thought this would be a good path to take. So I got the job. Again, they kept the, the position was the same because East Windsor, East Windsor on the smaller side. Um they got about 325 yeah, total pretty students. Small, so pretty small. Um, so that, that type of district is it's a part-time job. So I, I was a middle school math teacher still. They were able to make that work. So I my my front load of classes in the morning, I was done by noon, and then I got in the car, drove to the high school. And you were the AD. And then I did the AD basically from noon to, you know, six o'clock. So you talk about having the um, you know, being certified or whatever to be a high school teacher, which you were not. What were there any certifications that you needed to get in order to be an athletic director, or did they just was that just so at the do- time? Um, so we're talking this is 2003, 2004. Um, they made a change in the state department of education. Anybody hired after 1998 needed to have a um, administrative certificate, gotcha, in order to be a full time athletic director. And the way it was considered full-time was if you taught less than 0.5 of your teaching load in your subject and the 
other was in just athletic director. So because I was not, I did not have my administrative cert at that time, I couldn't be a full-time AD. Gotcha. Um, I, I couldn't, in, in for teacher retirement purposes, I couldn't, I couldn't not be teaching math. Right. Because that was what my State Department of Education certificate was in. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to basically, and, and East Windsor wasn't going to make it a full-time job anyway. It's just, yeah. it just wasn't in the cards there. And, you know, they didn't offer as many sports as, you know, obviously Granby does or, and I'll get to it in a second, but in Coventry. Um, so the more sports, the more responsibilities, the more coaches, the more athletes to track grades and those things, the more parents, uh, you know, to have communication with. So again, East Windsor is on the smaller side, so they're going to remain and yep. rightfully so, um, a part-time position. So it wasn't an issue for me to become a, a part-time AD at East Windsor. I, the cert I had was, was fine to do that. Gotcha. So, um, but down the road, if I ever wanted to go somewhere else, yep, I knew full-time. that I needed to um, look into that track. So um, I had been working on my master's degree. I know I, I, I touched upon the Yukon thing. Um, <laughs> go Huskies. So again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I should have went to Yukon. I should have done the five-year program and got my master's out of the way. I didn't. Um, but I was able to get started teaching a year earlier yep. than if I hadn't done that. So, you know, give and take here and there. Um, so I was working on my master's degree. This had nothing to do with me wanting to be a full-time AD, but just knowing that, you know, your, your pay would increase. Master's um, degree in education? Master's degree in education. So I did that online at Walden That's University. the way to do it. That was easy. Um, now, but we're talking back in 2002, mm. 2003, 2004. So probably not as. Online learning wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, now it's, you know, there, there's so many different courses. Um, and there wasn't really, and I, at, at that time I wasn't looking for an athletic administration track. Mm-hmm. I would have done that had I, right. had I really thought ahead or, or yep. if the, the, the programs were, were there, there's probably one at Ohio university. If I think back of what they probably offered yep. in like the whole, you know, United States. But so I, I had been working on that. I was, you know, you know, a few credits away from getting my master's degree. So then I started looking into what do I need to get? Um, my administrative certificate. So in order to get your administrative cert, you need a master's degree. So I was about to finish up that. And then you need to have at least 18 credits in administration um, before you can apply to get your administrative certificate. Yep. Gotcha. So um, had been working at the middle school and at the, as a math teacher and at the high school as EAD for two years. And I, and I started thinking to myself, you know, this, um, this commute's a little tricky. So even before I was trying to get a full-time AD job, um, I'm like, I got to get to the high school. So um, I think I was, no, actually I had, you needed to have 30 credits in a specific course or subject, sorry. Um, And I I had 30 credits in math. So I just had to take the high school math test, um, which was a little tricky because, (laughs) you know, you take the, look at the practice exams and I'm like, oh man, this is stuff I haven't seen in years. Probably high school because yeah. when I switched to elementary, I didn't have to take any, right. You know, I think the highest, uh, math course I had to take was applied calculus, mm. which, you know, it's still calculus, but right. Um, Considering. Yeah. yeah. So, um, had to cram for that. So one summer I crammed for that for just a couple you know, weeks, just taking practice tests, trying to do all that, took the test, became certified high school math. And then basically one of the teachers at the high school happened to be leaving it all worked out. Wow. Like perfect timing. 
I applied for a transfer, got the transfer to the high school. And then I was a high school math teacher teaching algebra and geometry to freshmen and sophomores. Ugh, God. Um, but again, you know, kept the same schedule, front loaded that from, you know, 7.30 to 12 and then from 12 to whenever was was the AD. So Gotcha. Um, and then as was going on, I started thinking to myself, all right, well, what do I need? Speaking to the superintendent of schools, what do I need for this to become a full-time position? You know, and we had the conversation that, look, it's probably not going to happen here, but if you want to do that, you're going to need to get your um, administrative cert, your 092, as it's called, in State Department of Ed. So then I needed the 18 credits in administration, went back to online learning, this time at the University of New England, and they had um, basically it was a uh, advanced graduate studies program in administration. I began that. That took two years. Yep. Um, so you did plenty of schooling. Yes. You were in- so, yeah. So, I, you know, Graduated high, uh, college, then went to, got my job, started taking courses kind of maybe a year or two after that. Yep. And then probably for the next four years, it took me to get my master's degree and then get my um, 092 cert. And then you had to take a test. You had to take a four-part test in administration, which was all about high school principal, high school vice principal, um, discipline, those types of things. Not one question involved athletics athletics interesting which was frustrating yeah i'm thinking to myself you know i'm doing this because i want to be a full-time athletic director not to be a vice not to be a vice principal or a principal interesting but that that was the path now the path has changed since then Mm -hmm. Uh, they've made some changes probably 2010 they made changes where um you could do the 092 route or you can get basically the um ni triple a National Interscholastic Something. Athletic Administration Association. Wow. They now have a um, certificate, and the state recognizes that. Gotcha. So you don't have to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. You can get that type of certificate and become an athletic director, which is a little frustrating because... Would have saved you some time if it was... Well, it would have saved me some time, but... Um, would have been more geared toward athletics. But I think that that, that allows districts to now hire non-teachers yep so here i am you know well i'm even thinking from like my perspective i'm not a i have no sure. background in like education or anything i have my master's in sports management and athletic administration and i think it is appealing because obviously i could see why it's frustrating for someone like you who has all their teaching certifications but i don't and i know i have still put myself in a position that i could get a job because sure i don't need i don't need anything in education so yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the on my side, the frustrating part is that you you can, um, a district could just hire a non-teacher, have them work from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock, you yep. know, and just not have the same responsibilities, not have right. to make it an administrative role. Um, yep. It's just a lot, you know, it's, it's a little more frustrating. Plus, yeah, I could have just done that. Yep. I probably had taken the certain type of uh, courses, you know, which you just take, you know, to, to better yourself anyway. I probably had enough of those course credits over the, the past 12 years. So um, I could have got certified, yep. you know, quicker. And yeah. Less, <laughs> so less money. you end up receiving, you end up 
getting all your qualifications, right? So now you're at the high school, you're at East Windsor. Are you full-time AD now? Nope, still, still part-time. part-time. Still teaching four math classes. When did you end up making, realizing that in order to kind of continue your career professionally, when did you make the jump to full-time athletic director elsewhere? So AD at East Windsor for seven years. AD at East Windsor for seven years. And... You know, just t- kind of talking over with uh, with my wife. You know, she, she knew what my goals were. She knew yep. I wanted to be full time AD. Um, a position opened up in Coventry, full time athletic director. Um, unfortunately, uh, Nancy Levinson worked with her for seven years um, in the NCCC. Coventry joined the NCCC. Um, she unfortunately uh, passed away, um, so that job had opened up, and it was. It was a non-teacher position, but it was a full-time AD. Yep. So talked it over with, you know, my wife. Um, we had a one-year-old at the time. And she said, you know what? You got to go for it. Mm-hmm. It's what you want to do. You want to be a full-time AD. This is strictly athletics. You know, go for it. Um, but, you know, obviously the commute from Windsor Locks, where we live. Yeah, that's not close. To Coventry, you know, bordering Yukon. Keep bringing back to the Yukon things. Um, <laughs> was pushing 35, 40 minutes. Not so, ideal. So not no. ideal, especially when you're seven minutes away. And when you have a one-year-old. And when you have a one-year-old. So it was a tough decision, but I think, you know, my wife, who was the greatest, um, pushed me to it and said, you know what, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to be, you know, you want to be administrator. You want to be yep. full-time AD. Go for it. So I applied, was able to get the position, and – um, became basically the full-time athletic director at Coventry. Did you enjoy the full-time aspect of it? Was it like what you expected and what you wanted? Like, Yeah, so the, the tricky part about the East Windsor was, again, you're full-time math teacher, even though you're not teaching right. the same as, you know, maybe one of your colleagues, and then you're full-time AD. But, you know, students still needed math help when I left, and I wasn't there for them. Right. So that was frustrating. Yeah. Um. I was maybe in the, in the morning, the athletes maybe were looking for advice or something or, or wanting advice on where to, you know, maybe to apply for a college and stuff like that. You know, obviously you could talk to your guidance counselors and, and they were great, but you know, they, they wanted my perspective on things. I was teaching math. I wasn't able to talk about that. So it was like you were torn in two different directions. You weren't there for the, the math students when you needed to be, and you weren't there for the athletes when you needed to be. Yeah, I could. You were there when you, when you were, but you weren't there when you should have been. I could definitely see how that could be frustrating. So, you know, you want to do the job to your best ability. You want to help them out. You want to, you know, you want to build the program. You want to make things better. You want to build everything. Um, But you basically got two full-time jobs. So how do you balance all that? (laughs) You you can't. It's just, you know, I I miss still to this day. I still see families miss the kids from East Windsor. Um, I miss the kids from Coventry, even though, you know, I, I moved on from there as well. And you build those connections, but you know, you want kids to succeed. You want them to do better. You want to see what they do 10 years down the road. Right. Absolutely. It's it's not about, you know, win that state title and then, you know, forget about them, forget about it or, or, you know, you get that big hit, you know, um, in a clutch spot or something and, and okay, they're done. And then they move on. No, you want to see what they do. And, you know, cause we all know what athletics does. It, it builds your, you know, you know, perspective on things. It gives you, you know, uh, perseverance and, and, and responsibility and, and it just makes you better people. So yeah. you want to see how that correct 
how that progressed in the next 10 years. So moving from school to school kind of, you know, it's a little tricky, but you know, I, I, I still see the Coventry kids. I still yep. see the East Windsor kids. So. And how long, uh, so now that you're full-time AD, you're kind of in that groove. How long did you stay at Coventry for? So I did, I was at Coventry for four years. All right. Um, again, which was great. Um, being able to, again, start and build maybe more of that. Now, again, Nancy Levinson was one of the, one of the greatest I've ever worked with. So she did a great job, but I felt trying to try to just keep building on that and improving yep. on that and, yep. you know, and, and working on certain things, you know, we, we started a captain's council where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we meet with the captains, you know, a couple times, uh, each season and, and work on things. So just trying to add different little nuances and new, new little programs to make things better. Sure. I mean, I, the AD's not there to, to add new sports per se. It's, right. it's what can you do to, to make these kids better leaders and how can you prepare yeah. them? How for can, college? how can you improve your program? You're at your department. So that makes sense. So, um, so I was able to do that, you know, and, and work on, you know, how to enhance the facilities. Yeah. Because it's a now, big part now of things. it's like, you know, you have a little more time during the day to kind of walk around and evaluate, you know, the, the facilities, evaluate the programs, evaluate the, you know, things and, you know, meet with the coaches more and, and talk to them about, you know, you know, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. So I was able to do a little more of that at Coventry, which I couldn't really do, you know, in East Windsor. I, w- I was teaching. I right. was teaching math. So when I wanted to be reaching out to the coaches and doing stuff, I, I was doing the math. And, and rightfully so. I should have been doing that. And, I, you know, I was reaching out to the parents and saying, hey, what can we do to help your math students get better? Um, and then it was the AD part. But by that time, when I was doing the AD part at East Windsor, it it was time for them to coach and time for them to play games. So, you know, you, you couldn't do all right. that administrative stuff Absolutely. that you wanted to do, which I was afforded to do now that it was a full-time job. Um, but again, they were, um, they offered probably twice as many sports as, yeah. as East Windsor. So they could do that, mm-hmm. um, which was great. So four years at Coventry and then you headed, to the, you headed home to the evil empire, headed home, headed home. <laughs> uh, Not home forever. for you, but, I guess. But, but, but again, so, it's all about the commute here. So, yeah. and, and the family at this time, by now I, I have two, two young children, me and Nico. And when I was at Coventry, I was, I was there at Coventry. So, um, yeah, you were you know, out there. You were out there. the sticks. Yeah. And I didn't have to go in at the beginning of the day. So I wasn't there at seven 30, which was good. So I, you know, I missed a little traffic, yep. but I was there by 10 o'clock and you're staying there till six o'clock, eight right. o'clock, nine o'clock during the winter. Yeah. And again, it's a 40 minute ride maybe longer if you hit traffic. Um, I wasn't leaving, going home, seeing the kids for an hour to get back in the car to drive back. Right. It just wasn't in the cards. So, you know, that got to be a little difficult. But again, you know, great people to work with, great families. Mm-hmm. Um, Coventry was great. So, um, went back to the evil empire because, <laughs> um, and I know you're going to have Kim, uh, Kim Chamberlain on here yep. again, worked with Kim because Granby was in the NGLC, uh, great person, great AD. Um, she got a, a teaching position and Granby opened up, which again, I had played in the NGLC, um, when I was in high school, worked at East Windsor, played against Granby. NCCC, mm-hmm. Coventry, NCCC. So I, I've kind of stayed close to home. Had in, a connection. Had a connection. So yeah. obviously, if you're gonna if you're gonna handpick a school mm-hmm. in the league that is a close proximity to where I currently live, I couldn't have handpicked a better spot yeah. to be at. So thank you, Kim, for, <laughs> for deciding. Kim was like, "I want to go back to teaching." Brian's like, "Thank you." 
Yeah, I th- I th- she might have asked me, should she have done it? And I said, absolutely, go ahead. Why could you put in a good word? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, that's interesting too because right, like, I didn't even think about that part. You had been a, an athletic director in the NCCC, so you've you've worked with these people who who know you and have gotten to, you know, develop relationships with you, both you know, friendships and relationships uh, professionally. So that is interesting that like you know. I didn't. Even, I didn't even really put it together. You were at three NCCC schools, so sure. that is that's pretty cool. Do you know the connection? Oh boy! Between every school that I worked at and the school that I went to high school, there's one connection. There's one connection. Good God! That's kind of a, a little bit of a broad. <laughs> Try to. I was just saying they're all in the NCCC. They, they are all in the NCCC. Okay, so they don't want to <laughs> but uh, they share one color. White. No. Nope. Gold. Gold. Green and gold at Coventry. Green maroon gold and gold Coventry. at both locks. No, is locks. Yes, locks yeah. is maroon and gold. Yep. Same as Granby, and then what, what was? Oh, black and gold. Black and gold. <laughs> e dub. And all. The correct gold, Pittsburgh Steeler gold. Yeah, it is. It is the mustardy. Athletic gold. It is the mustardy gold, not that Notre Dame stuff. Wow. And Look at you. Uh, yeah, not the Vegas gold. So uh, that's one. You know, so you know, one of the things, I, I, you know, <laughs> I love staying true to those types of of things. So. Yep. Um, you know, anytime we order new uniforms or things like that, I, I try to say, look, you guys, you know, to the, to the athletes, you know, the, maybe the junior senior leaders, I'm like, you guys have free reign to kind of design it. Obviously mm-hmm. I'm going to take a look at it and see what, what you want, but, yeah. but our school colors are maroon and gold. Yeah. You got to get some gold in there. Yeah. Um, I know you, you kind of joked about the mustardy thing, but I, I just, remember, I remember my senior year, this is back obviously when Kim was still there, but, uh, we were, we, basketball team was up for new uniforms and, um, we had, I wouldn't say gotten in trouble because that's not really what it was, but like, but prior to that, our away basketball uniforms were black. Sure. And we didn't have black as a school color. I know some schools complained that, like, well, why do they get to wear black? Like, you know, that's not their school. We had a little maroon and gold on it, but it wasn't, I mean, it was a black uniform. No, but when we were designing new uniforms for my senior year, we were, we were trying to push. Uh, all gold uniform, but it unfortunately got shut down. But they were sick. They would have been really cool. Yeah, I, I would love that. I, think I know you I would. Think it's a statement piece. <laughs> yeah, it is. It it was re- it was a and really cool if you jersey. Back it up on the field, then you yeah. Know, if you have that statement piece, you do it. Yep. Um, it was cool. So just throwing that out there right. for the future. The the, well, the issue I have now is the NFHS makes these requirements that you got to have white, whether it's home or away. Yeah. I know they keep flip flopping that, but. Um, white gets so dirty. It's like so the fast. uniforms like get ruined. Yeah, right. one so bloody nose, stains, it's over. Yeah. Bloody nose. Uh, you play sweat, in the mud. Just, you play soccer in right. the mud. You're it's right. you're it's over. Especially you know nowadays, but every day it, school budgets are tricky. You yeah. you're not getting new uniforms every year. Right. Some are on four years. Some are on five years. And right. And by that third year, the whites are dingy and they yeah. look it, and it's like oh man, but nothing it's you can required. do. Required. There's yeah. nothing you can do. So. So speak, speaking of uh, budget stuff, right? Obviously, we are in the midst of a very unique time, both you know in athletics and just you know from a world perspective, right? With this pandemic going on, what has it been like to be an athletic director in the midst of 
in the midst of all this stuff with COVID, right? So you like, there's no playbook for this. No one's ever experienced uh, an issue like this. So how has it been kind of navigating like your athletic department when all this stuff is kind of happening around you that we don't necessarily have answers to? Yeah, definitely no playbook on this. Um, the hardest part is not seeing the kids and the coaches and having that, you know, actual interaction. Yeah, we can do the Zoom meetings and the Google yeah. meets. It's just not the same. Not everybody gets, you know, a chance to speak. Not everybody gets a chance maybe to log on to it. Yep. Um, I, it's been very tricky. So uh, the CIAC has been doing weekly Zoom meetings with their updates, and they're giving us updates, you know, and they're doing their best to – to make sure that fall athletics happen again, we know how important it is for our students and to try to get back to that normalcy. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been tricky. I can still work on my schedules. I can still work on organizing, you know, those types of things, uh, um, make sure the referees and all that stuff's booked and, and work on, you know, I don't even transportation schedules, but uh, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. So you can do only do so much. Um, yeah. And then not even being able to start the spring was tricky. Um, I remember like, you know, just abruptly done when the end of basketball season, right? When the winter sport, when the winter tournaments get canceled, obviously that was disappointing, but I feel like just everyone kind of didn't know how, you know, serious of an issue this was going to be because everyone kind of assumed, well, yeah, it stinks that, you know, your tournaments are canceled, but, you know, you'll inevit inevitably be back in the spring probably just hopefully, you know, maybe it gets pushed a couple of weeks and here we are in July and, you know, fall athletics are in the up in the air. You don't know. It's, 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 it happened. I feel like it happened very fast and it's just, it's, it's been, it's been very, very challenging. So. Yeah. If you, I definitely would have said we would have been back after April break. Yeah, me, what, I, me too. I thought, I thought uh, get, you know, three weeks, four weeks off, um, another week of, you know, full cleaning, and then we'll be back. You know, maybe we have to do a modified spring schedule, but we yep. would have been back. Um, so if you asked me, obviously in March, early April, I said, yeah, we're coming back. And then it just obviously has compounded. Spiked and yeah, I mean, from a, I mean, they got it right, obviously. Yeah, they really did. I remember they faced <laughs> I, I a lot. They got of, it wrong. They faced but. a lot of backlash at the beginning. Like I, I could not believe they they canceled things. And obviously, again, you mentioned hindsight twenty twenty. It certainly is because they they did get it right, and they were one of like the first in the country to get it right. Sure. But I mean, from from my perspective, it's a it's a little bit different than you, I guess, from a high school level. But at Rhode Island College, we're dealing with, uh, you know, just massive budget cuts and Rhode Island is $800 million in a, in a deficit right now. So, uh, you know, you have people losing jobs, furloughs, enrollments down, you know, there's skepticism about students on campus going forward in the fall. It's just a very uneasy time. And like I said, nobody knows, nobody knows has, has the answers. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. Just like, you know, the CIC and you guys are at Granby, we are trying to prepare as if you have to you have to prepare as if you're going to have a fall season so we're you know we're doing the things that we can but then there are issues right that maybe like there's a school in the little east conference that has decided they're not coming back for athletics in the fall and then you know that that causes a ripple effect you you have to schedule games uh differently you have to cancel those games try to find other opponents and whatnot 
and uh, you know, there are travel restrictions. So it's just, it's, it's been messy. It's a weird time to work in athletics. And um, I feel like you can, you can be super organized and, you know, things can still fall apart the last second and that's nobody's fault, but that's just kind of, kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a day to day thing right now. So until we get back and I know Grammy's doing a great job of, of having their meetings so that they can, you know, be back for the fall um, and have classes start. Um, but until we actually get there and do that, we're, we're not going to know. Um, right. And until the governor puts out more kind of updates on, on that and the transportation stuff and, you know what it is. And, and one school might not want to do it. And one school might. So like you said, we, we might have to juggle the schedule. Yep. You know, we might not have 16 soccer games. We might have to play 10. Yep. But I mean, I, I think everybody would sign up Yep. for five games. Yeah. Just you know, to get back, just to get back at yeah. it, you know, um, even you know, what baseball's doing. So yeah, you know, they got a modified schedule. They're just happy to be back. You know? Absolutely. And maybe it's that we don't have any fans in the stands. Maybe it's, you know, yeah only local games so you know that, Winslock, right. scramby suffield east scramby right canton or something you like, know and maybe it's just you get to play i know, know eight games against those four schools and you know i think everybody's open to different possibilities and scenarios and as long as we can do something we would do it obviously full coming back is the way everybody wants but right um i know that and like i mentioned like the little east conference for rhode island college it's I'm almost positive. I don't know. I, a very like non-conference game has been like canceled. So it's only you're only playing teams in your conference. And then even then, there have been talks about kind of like you pointed out, like the geographic location. So I know, I know. Speaking of those UConn Huskies, uh, the Big East has talked about potentially like dividing the Big East conference into like a East and a West. So you know UConn would play teams around here. They they and I. Maybe, maybe that is the way to do it. But again, right. it's just nobody kind of knows. Sure. So, um, I mean, I think once we get through this first kind of year, you may see some changes. Yeah. If, if things don't necessarily get better with that, you may see some changes. And maybe, who knows? I mean, I might be going on on a limb here, but maybe the NCCC and the CCC and the leagues mm-hmm. aren't what they used to be. Right. And we change it. And now yeah. it's more geography. The only problem with that is, you know, like sizes of yeah, schools, you know, Granby, <laughs> East Granby, you know, they're close to Simsbury. You're not going to put yeah. some of those small schools against, you yeah. know, schools that got 2,500 right. students. In it. So not really fair. Yeah. yeah. It's not fair. So, but, no, I, but, but Mike, I think everything has to be open. Yeah. Might have to get, might have to get reworked and that's and just might have to get creative. Yep. Absolutely. But again, as long as we're doing something, I think that's whatever. So, at this point, right, you've had it. You've you've been doing it for a while, being a full time athletic director. What would you say is your your favorite thing about being an athletic director? Put you right on the spot. Yeah, right. No, I I, <laughs> I think just seeing the kids grow from their freshman year. Now, again, this is my fourth year at Granby, fourth year at Coventry. Yeah, was at East Windsor for seven years. You know, it's always tricky. You know, you're just trying to kind of learn the ropes of the new school when you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that four years in, these new seniors were freshmen when I was there. Wow. You get to see how they've progressed. Yeah. Not only as athletes, but again, as leaders. Um, how have they embraced leadership, you know, possibilities and, and things. Mm-hmm. So you get to see that. I think that's, 
that's what I take the, the biggest thing I take out of it. And, you know, I'm, it's great walking into the gym and seeing all the uh, state title banners up there and the league championship banners. There are which, a lot of them, which is great. Um, I love, you know, and if you haven't had a chance to get into Granby's gym, um, do it whenever, uh, whenever, we're whenever allowed. it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good point on that. Um, but it just, you know, seeing that kind of history is awesome. Yeah. However, I, it, it's not about the wins and the losses and the championships. And I know that sounds cliche at times, but it's about, you know, the friendships you've made, the bonds and, and, and things you've created over the four years, you know, but also seeing those kids come back. Yeah. You know, it's great seeing homecoming, but they come back not just at, at one game. They come back, you know, right. during Christmas break, they'll come back and, and see a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Or at the end of May, you know, they'll come back and watch the, the lacrosse championship. So right. it's great seeing that family atmosphere, that camaraderie that that's that's built. And, and that was at all schools. I think it's at every school you go to that they, that they do those types of things. So I think the biggest thing for me is just seeing how these kids grow and mature and then, you know, what they get to do. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, they, when you, you know, I see the East Windsor kids – who I taught in 2001, you know, so now that's 19 years. Right. <laughs> so they were, you know, 12, 13. Now yeah. they're 31, 32, 33. Families, they've got families, they've got jobs. They're doing, you know, everything yeah. that I was doing back then. I yep. mean, so, you know, I started teaching when I was 22. So I was at a sweet Eddie Swinzer, 23, 24. So, you know, when I was teaching them, you know, they're older than that now. So yeah, it's just, getting to see them later on in life and how they've become great, productive people. Yep. That's the greatest thing. What? So, you know, what my next question is going to be right. If I just asked what your favorite thing about it was, you're a smart guy. What yeah, is what's your the least favorite yeah. thing? Uh, you know, for me, I would say it's just sometimes being away from my family. Yeah. You know, I'm the athletic director at Granby. Mm-hmm. My job is to be, at Granby High School yep. during sporting events. Yep. That, that's what it should be. Yep. Now, a w- great thing about Granby is there is help there. We do have a little bit of an assistant kind of AD. Yep. Um, and we got tons of sports, so I, I can't be at everything. Right. Um, but I try to be at, at most things, mm-hmm. especially if it's a big game, a rivalry game, you know, football games on Friday nights. Yeah. You now, you, you want to be there. Right. And not just because it's a job, mm-hmm. but I love watching sports. I love being at the events. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And it's great interacting with the student body section. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. Um, you know, I, I, I've sit and watched you know YouTube videos trying to come out. What the best? What's the best way we can, you know, get the crowd amped up? What can mm-hmm. we do and yeah. cheer and try to you know get the kids to do it? Yeah. Sometimes they think I'm cheesy and corny, but <laughs> um, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so being away and I, and I try to get my kids to as many games again now that I'm closer to home. It's about a 13, 15 minute ride. So they, they come to more than they yeah. did at Coventry. Much easier than the 40 minute commute to right. Coventry. Yeah. But I can also go home, get them off the bus, have a bite to eat at five o'clock with them. Scoop back. Scoop back and be there for night soccer, night yep. football, night basketball, yep. all those things. So, absolutely. Um, trickiest thing is just time away. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Granby is just a great. It's a good little sports school town. system. Yeah. Great little, great little um, sports town, and, and they do it right. And uh, you know, there's help when needed, so it affords me a little opportunity to go home, um, but able to come back and yep. see things. So. Absolutely. So I, here's a question that, like, I, I talked to Kim about, and I thought, you know, she had a, a really good answer too. Um, there's no denying that in in this, in present day sports, especially, sometimes sometimes parents can stick their nose in places that they they might. 
that they really shouldn't be doing. Um, and I feel like that's just kind of where things are at right now. Um, but what would you say is like a, an, an appropriate role for parents within, within athletics? And don't get me wrong. There are the large majority of parents are, you know, they're great. They're, they're there to support their kids and they're there to support the rest of the team and, and the school and they do it the right way. But you know, it's just kind of the nature of athletics that you're going to have parents who, you know, might not sure. always have that best interest in mind. I mean, like my, my parents, your parents, you know, lots of parents coach their children growing up. Yep. Um, and they want obviously what's best for them. No denying that, that their ultimate goal is what's best for my, yeah. you know, my, my child. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it gets a little tricky because, you know, you might not see eye to eye with what a coach does. Mm-hmm. And again, the coaches, Main responsibility is put what he or she feels is the best product out in the field. Yep. You know, if you got 20 players on a soccer team, there's only 11 spots. Right. There's going to be nine unhappy people there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it the coach isn't trying to make people unhappy. Correct. Um, so it, the role of the parent, you know, you just you just got to be supportive. You got to try your best to to be positive at all times. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, I feel you like you might I, not get a starting spot, but you know what, when you get that opportunity to get in there, do the best make you can, it, make advantage, take advantage of it. I feel like, you know, most of the time, these issues with parents, it's not X's and O's stuff. It's not really about anything that it's about playing time. Right. And I feel like speaking from, I was saying that I, I never really realized it when I played, right. I don't, I didn't really hear parents complaining or all that stuff. But when I've kind of transitioned into, you know, volunteer coaching and then like kind of officially coaching, you do start seeing, you know, some of the parents come out of the woodwork and it's, I feel like nine times out of 10, it's, it's, it's mostly about playing time. And right. I told, I was saying with Kim, obviously it depends on the level. So I, I met, I gave basketball as an example, freshman JV and varsity have different, you know, objectives of what we're trying to accomplish, right? Sure. Freshman, it doesn't, if we go four and 16, we go four and 16. But if, 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 you know, kids improve, that's all that really matters, right? That's might not necessarily be how it is on varsity. So I feel like for me, I would much rather hear from a kid. Like, let's just say little Johnny comes up and he's like, you know, how can I be better? How can I, how can I get on the court more or something like that? I appreciate that 10 times more than, you know, mom and dad fighting his fight for him. And I, again, I, I understand that it's parents just trying to look sure. out for their kids, but I think it's all teachable moments because yes. you know, again, you're we're talking 13, 14, 15 year olds that might not know the best way to advocate for themselves. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I do it to my, my children. Now. I, I do more for them than I probably should. Yeah. I should probably take a step back. <laughs> Hell, not, my mom made my doctor's appointments till like two years ago. Right, so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's just tricky because, again, you know, at what point do you say, look, you got to kind of advocate for yourself and do it? And yeah. I think it it just gets tricky. And, again, there's no parent out there that's trying to do things the wrong way or, right. or, or get, you know, upset about things. And, obviously, if if they're not getting the playing time that they feel they deserve, of course, you're going to be upset and you want them to advocate for themselves. But, you know. I think it's just again teachable moments. You yep. try to, you know, coaches need to be upfront with the players, upfront with the parents. Like these are your defined roles. Mm-hmm. It's not a starting position now. It might lead to that, but I need you to work hard and 
you know, be the guy. Yeah. You know? I feel like if you can be as open with your with your with your athletes as you can be, it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a lot better for everybody. Sure. I remember like Coach Hanson, the basketball team, kind of started doing these like these like weekly check ins with guys. So if they were comments, questions, concerns, they could voice them to the coaching staff and it, it could be addressed. So, but again, I feel like you can't really ever over communicate because right? no. if I think communication is a key, yeah, absolutely. to everybody, you know, absolutely to the absolutely. coach, to the players, to the parents, you know. Last question for you. All right. Do you see yourself continuing to be an athletic director? for the rest of your career or do you could you envision any other scenarios where it's back to teaching or you know you, you mentioned that vice principal principal you know cert thing that you kind of sure got, I, so. I do not right at this moment i don't see myself doing the principal vice principal yep. role although if the right opportunity came up uh, and pre- presented itself I, again never say never right um and uh, one piece of advice i try to give anybody oh i, I don't have that certification or uh it says you have to have so many years of experience for a job. If there's a job you want, apply for it. Yep. Worst thing they're going to say is no. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't give you an interview. Maybe they give you an interview. Maybe you get the job. Yep. So, you know, don't just read something and say, oh, I, I guess I can't do it. Yep. Um, but I, I, again, I said this earlier. If I could handpick a school within proximity to where I live, there's no place I'd rather pick than, than Graham Memorial. Yep. Um, it's just, you know, it's the perfect, perfect fit. The only scenario I see would be, and this is a few years down the road, is when my kids get older in high school. Yep. Um, and if they're big time into sports, great. If they're not, that's great too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try to give them different opportunities, you know, music, arts, you know, drama, dancing, yeah. and whatever, sports. Whatever, whatever they want to do. Yep. I, try to, I want to see them do it. Um, so if let's just say they did get big time into sports and were on varsity teams and I wasn't able to go see them, mm-hmm. I could see myself potentially looking to get back into teaching so that I'd be done by two thirty, three o'clock, be able to go and catch them yep. on the field. Um, yep. so that, that right now, but if, if I'm able to see them play and be an athletic director at Granby Memorial high school, I, right. I see myself staying here. That's awesome. I mean, I know you've, you've, we talked about this with Kim. Kim did a lot of great things for Granby since you've took over. You've done a lot of really, really great things for Granby too. And uh, I feel like the athletic department is uh, in in very very good hands. I appreciate that. No problem. Because we got uh, former athletes like you oh, always yeah. coming back and helping out. No, it's oh. it's, it's true. But no, it uh, if, cool. if you do the things the right way, the yeah. kids are going to come back and you're going to see great things out of the kids that you you know. No, it yeah, is cool. So. I mean. In, I when I was coaching football at Granby, I got to do it with two of my buddies that I played with, and it, 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 you're right, people come back, and it's it's nice. I feel like to me, like it's nice to give back to the department and the programs that helped me get to where I am today. And people are like, oh, you're so lame, you'll never leave Granby. It's like, well, fine, you can think that way, but I feel yeah. like I'm giving back to a place that really helped me get to where I am today. So. You know, it's it's a great it's a great town. It's a great department, and like I said, it's in good hands. So, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, thanks for coming on. All right, right, guys, that is a wrap on episode ten. Huge thank you to Brian and Kim for coming on. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. 
I feel like I learned something too, man. I, you know, being someone who is chasing this dream of becoming an athletic administrator or an athletic director in particular, really cool to get their insight on things. You know, Kim, we asked a lot of questions about her time as athletic director. She gave some fantastic answers. Brian, you know, talked more about how he got there with education and the degrees and certifications that you needed and his time bouncing around all over the NCCC from Windsor, uh, living in Windsor Locks to East Windsor to Coventry to now being at Granby. And it's a really, really cool story. Obviously, with Brian, too, heard a little bit about, you know, what it's like being an athletic director in the middle of a global pandemic. So something that you're just really never ready for, you're thrown into that fire. So once again, just really awesome conversation with both of them. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, this is it. This is it for season one. So 10 episodes down. I once again cannot thank everybody who listened enough for listening and interacting with me on social media. Like I mentioned, I started this during quarantine for fun. There was no agenda. I was I was really nervous, but I was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And it's become a really, really, really fun hobby. Uh, I don't know how big it's going to get. I don't know how much how much bigger I really want it to get. It's been great. I, I really can't ask for more. So like I mentioned in the last couple episodes, quick break. Uh, I don't know, maybe two weeks, three, who knows. Uh, going to be ramping up with summer camps at Rhode Island College. So I'm going to be really, 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 really busy during the days. Um, so that could be a little bit challenging. But this will not be the end. I promise there will be at least at least one more season. Um, and like I mentioned, we got a whole bunch of plans coming up for when the NFL kicks off. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed season one. Please don't be strangers. Reach out to me with any questions, comments, concerns. Just say hi. It doesn't matter. I want to hear from you guys. And I promise very soon I will catch you next time on Playing the Field. Sergeant, sergeant, always know the truth.